hopefully you're all feeling full and satisfied. It was kind of interesting when I was setting up the my computer on the projector. There was this buzz down there of everyone talking, walking through the food line. All of a sudden, just got really quiet. <laughs> I was like, well, that means their mouths are still moving, but just in a in a different way. So yeah, I'm going to be uh, talking about application sharing the word, um, and it is going to be more of a like a public speaking focus. Um, here at Crystal Valley, which many of you attend here, you know that if after you turn, I don't know, is it 16, 17, I'm not sure what the age is, you're put into the, the rotation of giving usually a five to ten minute devotions at the beginning of church. And if you don't attend here, you've probably taught Sunday school, um, you've probably given talks, topics, um, and so how, how do you do that well? How do you take what Josh shared about and then what Jim shared about this morning and you say, okay, I've got all this this great stuff, well, how do you, how do you share it? How do you, um, how do you do that in a practical way? Uh, I took my first public speaking class in, in high school. It was a required course there. And I remember the teacher when he was talking to us, he said that, you know, you, you'll get up front. And he said, it's really neat. They've come a long way with technology. And what they've started doing behind your either podium or pulpit, they've put in little floor vibrators down there so that if your knees don't knock automatically, it'll just do it for you. And I was like, first I was, I was like, I, that does, that makes no sense. Well, our first practice speech, it made a lot of sense um, after that. And he also said that how much it vibrates is directly proportional to how much your legs are hidden by your podium. So I thought I was gonna actually be up there presenting where you have a lot of room, you can do a lot of stuff behind that thing. This, there's, there's it, you're out there, you know, it's a, uh, if you're shaking, uh, you might actually be seeing it. But mo thankfully, most people uh, don't pay too much attention to that. Hopefully not. So what I'm going to be sharing here this morning is three central ideas as you prepare. And then I have 15 um, more practical tips. And at the end, I'd like to leave some time to actually open it up for if you have a tip or something you want um, to share to allow you to do it too. Uh, before I get started, I know 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 to 19 has been mentioned. But again, just just telling us why, like why is it important that we study and and be prepared? So again, Second Timothy chapter two, verses fifteen to nineteen: Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Of whom is Hymenius and Philet and Philetus who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Paul gives Timothy a, a, a very scary warning here. I used to read these verses and assume, but the, sh the shunning profane and vain babblings is, is something that like you just you're cursing or you're, you're, you're doing something you know is wrong. But he mentions two men in their church who erred and they were, I don't know if they were pastors in their church, but they, they were in the church and those are the men he was talking about having the vain babblings. So the vain babblings are here if we're not careful. And when I, when I realized that, um, I was like, wow, this, this is a big deal. Um, just because you're in a church and just because you attend a men's seminar does not mean that we are immune to just having the truth on our side. 
All right, so the three central ideas. The first one is allowing God to lead. Uh, this is going to overlap a little bit with what Jim shared, um, and I, I don't plan to spend a lot of time here. The second is that preparation is the foundation. Maybe that's a bit of an overstatement, but it is very true. And the third one is presenting with confidence. I almost put humility, present with confidence and humility, but again, you know that when you get up here, humility just kind of naturally sets in. So uh, confidence is something that we probably need more work in. So again, these are my three central ideas, and we're going to start with allowing God to lead. So the first thing is <clears throat> take time to pray as you prepare. I really liked how Jim said, as you are studying, begin, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the challenge of speaking after you eat, begin and end your time with prayer. And so I, I really appreciated that. Um, take, take your assignment seriously. And I know it, we tend to think of the assignment maybe in proportion to, to length of time. So I'm given, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, so like, wow, I really need to pray and study. But in, I think it's two weeks after Noah and Brenda's wedding, I have devotions at church. Well, that's five, ten minutes. Let's see. Oh, what did I read recently? Um, I'll just talk about something from the wedding. It, like, so you see how we're, we're tempted to just kind of, in Sunday school, um, you know, may, depending on what kind of teacher you are or how much time you have to prepare, you can be like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. I'll wing it. I'll have some, you know, the men talk anyway. And so sometimes, depending on the topic we're given, we... We just think, we're, we're good, we're fine. And I challenge us <clears throat> to allow God to lead take and pray as you approach it. Read the passage of scripture multiple times during the week, preferably every day. Um, when I taught Sunday school, I taught men's class once and youth class once. And I found there was an immense difference between my reading the Sunday school passage like every morning for a week and then studying on Saturday versus reading it like, oh, Friday, I, I have Sunday school, I, I have to study, and or Saturday morning coming in and being like, all right, see, we're, we're studying First John, right? Like, boy, I have to, you know, see what I'm studying. There's, there's an immense difference that happens there. Very seldom do you not have a chance to do this. Now, I know there is, you know, you get called Friday night, hey, I, I'm, I need a substitute teacher, or someone is sick and you know you're filling in for devotions and you find out Sunday morning or something there, there's exceptions but very rarely do we not have adequate time at least a week to know what your passage is uh, if you're a pastor and you're preaching a sermon that may be different in my case I had three weeks to prepare for this um, and so I, I you know I, you can ruminate you can you can think about it um, I read a book, I think, I uh, forget who the author was offhand, but he talked about a seminar that he attended. He's, he's a pastor. And in the seminar, the, uh, the speaker said, we're going to try an exercise. I'm going to give you 30 minutes. And she gave them a verse to, talk, to think about. So one verse, I forget what the verse was, he had it in his book. And they had 30 minutes to think about this book. She set a timer and said, go. It's probably the bad thing to do when you have 30 minutes to look at one verse, right? It's like more like think. And he said, he, he sat there, and he was like, all right, I can do this. Like, yep, 30 minutes. He said, the first 10 minutes were the, were the obvious things. Let's just take the Lord as my shepherd. Like, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. All right, wait, yep, shepherd, sheep, Lord. Mm -hmm. And then he said, the next 10 minutes, he was like, well, look at that. The ceiling's white, and it's snowing outside. He was like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm done. What? And then he, he's like, well, I have 10 minutes to go yet. And he said, the last 10 minutes is when... He started doing kind of what Jim was doing, like looking at the prepositions and like the Lord is my shepherd. Like, why doesn't it say 
The Lord is my keeper. Why is it shepherd? And he actually had to like do some digging for the gold. And he said that's actually when the gold surfaced. So I'm not going to, yeah, again, Jim did really well with that. But take the time to read this scripture multiple times. And my last point here is give yourself time to prepare. Uh, don't, don't wait until Sunday morning. Uh, don't wait until Saturday morning if you can help it. Now, again, if you're a Sunday school teacher, you might, uh, this, this does tie into number two, where if you have read the passage of scripture every day for a week and you've been thinking about it, there's a big difference coming into Saturday morning and you already are like, okay, so there's this thought, this thought. That's not quite what I'm referring to here because you've already been preparing. But if you're coming into Saturday morning and you knew you had all week to prepare and then Saturday morning you're cramming, I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying um, I don't think you're fully allowing God to work in that way. And, and you're just like, Lord, you know, my fault. I, um, I, I didn't plan for this. It's like the classic when you're in school and you come to a test and you're like, God, I didn't study for this test, but you got my back, right? And the Lord's like, I mean, yes and no. Uh, so it, it's kind of a, the same situation here, but give yourself time. Um, don't wait until the end of the week. So those are my three points on allowing God to lead. Um, again, yeah, take it seriously and, and don't, don't put God, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but don't put God in a situation where he needs to bail you out, especially if it was due to your bad time management or just waiting until the last minute. All right, so preparation is the foundation. So I've already mentioned, we all know that you're going to be nervous. You, you probably will. And I've heard it said it is good to be nervous. If you're presenting the word, you should always have a certain level of nervousness because what you're presenting is holy and what you're presenting is important. Like uh, Paul said to Timothy, if you don't present truth in the correct way, you are presenting a vain babbling. And we also know in different places in scripture where it says Paul, and, and not just Paul, but other apostles, I mean, even Jesus said, if you add to my words or you take away from my words, like at one point he said, your name is out of the book of life. And it's like, well, then I, I know I'm not, I can't teach Sunday school. Three elections coming up, we're all going to be like, no, I want my name in the book of life. I can't, you know. So, you know, there's, there's always that sense of like what you're doing is holy, and so you do want that 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 fear of God, I think, um, to be like Lord, like please guide me in this. However, I don't think we need to be nervous from a like whole public speaking fear standpoint, um, and that's kind of why we have this here. So preparation is the foundation. We all know the importance of a of a foundation. The scariest speech I gave in my life was a five minute talk at Shady Maple for it was after I graduated from Faith Builders. Um, they, they were doing their annual, um, I don't know, Shady Maple fundraiser, I guess. So they asked me, and I think it was two others, to give each a five-minute talk. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I can do that. And when, when I, was, I was like, why did I agree to do that when I, as soon as I said I could do that? So that is the most prepared I've been for a speech. I had the thing memorized. I practiced in front of a mirror. I mean, and the reason I did that is because three or 400 people, kind of the who's who of Lancaster County, and plus all the faith builder staff is there and so like, whew, this is not going to be fun and i yeah it's the most prepared and the most nervous i've ever been for a speech in my life and i haven't given that many many talks either so the time came 
I went up front, I swallowed, and it went well because I was prepared. I was nervous, but I realized, and they make you eat a whole meal there while you're waiting, and the whole time I'm like, I have my notes, and I'm like, ooh, people are talking. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, listen, I can't hear you. <laughs> um, but what I realized is I was nervous, and in that case, I was more nervous because of the audience, probably. Um, but because I was prepared, I actually wasn't nervous about that. Uh, it was a bit of a selfish nervousness. I was more nervous about how it was going to be received. I knew my talk. I wasn't scared about that. I mean, I, I had a, the thing memorized, and I still had my notes. Um, but after that, I was like, wow, if, like, if I would have gone into that not quite prepared, that could have been a huge flop. Um, thankfully, I was, I was prepared. So a few things here. The first one is develop a central theme, a passage, or thought. So if, you're, if you have a Sunday school lesson, this is kind of already somewhat done for you. You have your passage assigned. But even then, and, and I don't have no problem, you know, you can teach Sunday school in various ways. You can go verse by verse. Um, when I teach Sunday school, I tend to do more of a, like, look at it and, okay, what's the theme in here? There's not, you can teach Sunday school, like they say, if you're elected and do what you want, they just won't elect you again. Um, so there's not really a right or wrong way to teach Sunday school per se, but if you're if you're giving a talk or um, if you're giving any devotions, you you know you again you can go verse by verse, but you still want to kind of like what's your central theme? One of my challenges is when I look at a passage of scripture, and especially if it's a five or ten minute devotions, is the bunny trails, and <coughs> I'm sure you've all experienced this where. You're like, ooh, you know, I could tell a story about that, and then I could tell a story about that, and here's a cool thing. I'm going to tell a story about that, and you realize, like, wait, I have five or ten minutes. I can't do all these bunny trails, and you've probably all experienced the bunny trail speaker who's really interesting, but the next morning, you're like, they were really interesting? I don't know. I don't know what they talked about, though, because they talked about finances, and then they talked about salvation, and then they talked about marriage. I don't remember anything from any of those points. I just remember I chuckled a couple times because the stories were good. And you've actually, so you were maybe a bit entertaining, but like what was your, your, your central focus? What was, what was the thing you were wanting to get across? Um, whoops. Oh, my mouse there, somewhere in there. Number two, work on having your content naturally flow. So if you have multiple points, think about how you can bridge the gap. So one way to do it is what I'm, I'm doing here is just say my first point. If you don't have PowerPoint, just, just verbally say it. So my first point is this. Uh, my second point is this. And now for my third point, what I found is if, you know, if people are taking notes, and I've had this happen where I'm taking notes or I'm listening, and then they're like, in my fourth point, and I was like, wait, what, what was the second and third point? Like, I don't, boy, I don't, oh, oh, it must have been that. Okay, that would make sense. But just verbally saying, like, number one, number two, um, keywords like next or now we're going to look at, uh, things like that just kind of help, help it um, flow together. If you're, if you're looking at your notes and you're like, man, I'm just, I'm like, I have a theme here, but I'm jumping around. Like, how can I bridge this? Um, there's a few things you can do. Like, you can, you can have an illustration, you know, like, to illustrate the next point. You can have a story. But however you do it is, is obviously up to you. But the main thing here is just, just think about the natural flow. Um, if you're, if you're kind of doing like just bullet points, and again, if you're kind of jumping around, the audience can follow you, but don't give them whiplash. 
Um, you may have all, all, have, all have experienced a whiplash speaker. It's not very fun. Uh, number three, color code your notes. I do this and I just started a couple years and I wish I would have done it a lot sooner. So what I typically do um, is I have a certain color for stories. And that way when I'm going down here, um, I, I make sure I tell the story because the story can often be a good illustration or example of something. Um, if there's a point like I do not want to forget, I make it bold and sometimes I'll make it like double size. Like basically it screams when I look at it, don't forget to say this. Because you've probably all been up there and you look at your notes and you look at the crowd and your eyes just, <clears throat> you look at your notes and it's just soup. And you're like, oh boy, where was I? I don't know where I am. Um, and so have your notes structured and organized and use, use you know, a color printer or use different color highlighters, but then make sure you know what the colors mean too. Like you're like, I have a red thing here. Oh yeah, like, you know, you, you do wanna know what they mean as well when you're going through. Number four, I really encourage some sort of practice um, and take a note of time. So the way you practice is up to you. I, I didn't actually listen to this, but there was a podcast the other month from, I think it was Anabaptist Perspectives, that caught my eye, and it, on there a preacher said, these are the reasons I give my speech, I think he said 10 times. I don't, I don't know if anyone follows Anabaptist Perspective. It's a good podcast to follow, by the way. Um, and I, I downloaded it, and I haven't listened to it. I'm scared to listen to it, because I don't want to rehearse everything 10 times. But, but I'm sure what, yeah, so I, I don't know what his reasons are. But I, I, I would encourage you, um, Sunday school again, it can be a little different. But if you're given an assigned talk, like think through it. So this talk, I did not go in front of the mirror like I did with Faith Builders and give this talk 10 times. Um, I've heard of pastors and some of the pastors here may do this who, who will give like maybe a shortened version to their wife. And that way you, you get some experience with it. And that way your wife can be like, well, you were really unclear about this. Like, you need to work on, you know. I'm assuming that's healthy for a marriage, but I, I don't do that with Kaylee. Uh, so, again, I, that's one thing I've heard some people do. Um, when I do a form of practice, I actually usually mentally do it. So the last couple of evenings, I was on my couch with my notes, and Kaylee's sitting over there, and she's like, is it going good? I'm just sitting there quietly, and I'm like, shh, I'm rehearsing. Um, but I'm basically, I'm just running through, like, okay, make sure to say this. Make, you know, I have a pen. I'm taking some notes. So I would really encourage to do some sort of practice, um, whether it's verbal or it's quiet. Um, yeah. It, give yourself some form of preparation. Number five, expect your mind to blank. So write down the important things you want to say. Uh, this has happened to me too many times. It started when I was teaching school, and I'd be going along and, you know, following my lesson plan, and I'd be like, oh, I wanted to say something here, and I, I forget, and I'd move on. And I learned that when you're studying, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've experienced this, but when you're studying, you're like, oh, oh, that's a good, oh, wow. Oh, I'll remember that. It's obvious. Like, yeah, yeah. And then you come to that point, and you're talking, you're like, what was I going to say? It was really good, and the audience is there, and you have that two-second, like, and, okay, moving on, and your audience was like, wait, he just, he blanked. He, something happened right there. You, uh, again, I've had that happen to me too many times where I don't trust myself, and so I've, I've started just writing it down. 
If there's a story you want to say, if there's a statistic you have, write it down, especially if it's important or key to what you're doing. Um, and that kind of goes with a Sunday school tip that I learned, and that is develop several good questions while studying and write the questions down. And when I, for the, uh, if you teach, um, is it intermediate, I think, like before the youth, this can also be really important. I've already taught you or intermediates who are, you know, they're kind of sitting there and they're like, you know, you, you do all the talking. And they don't talk until you're like, well, like, did the Bills win or are the Bills going to win? And then they do all the talking all of a sudden, right? But what I've learned even with intermediate or children or, or youth is if you do have some really good questions, and yeah, you don't want to get too complex with it, but if you do have some really good questions, they will talk. But the younger they are, the more... The, the less likely they are to respond to a question like, what do you see in this passage? They're, it's very rare that a junior high student is going to be like, well, I noticed that sanctification was mentioned three times. That's really good. Like, no. They're going to be like, I noticed it was ten verses long. And, and even then, you might be lucky to get that response. But what I found in teaching is if I would be like, what word is mentioned three times? They'll look through and, you know, oh. Or what, what do you think Paul means when he says this? And again, you don't want to get too deep. Now, if you go and move into men's class, there you can move, you can be a little broader, more general. But even then, some really good questions will help your discussion be better. Um, recently, I was at a Sunday school class, not here, where the men were in, they, they're in smaller classes, and so they sit in circles. And so I sat down, and um, the teacher happened to sit right beside me. So he got his notes out, and I mean, I try not to just read his notes, but they were, I mean, they're right here, right? So I could see what they are. And I noticed that what he did, he, he, had, his, he had three or four questions on there, and he had them highlighted, which I thought was great, but they were really general. So the, the passage was on um, the feeding of the 5,000. I don't remember exactly what his question was, and I tried to think about it so I could write it down uh, and give it to you here. But it was something like, what was the significance of the leftover food? And so he looked at his question, and he kind of blanked. I could, I could see it. He's just like, and he kind of looked at us and was like, so what do you think was significant about the food? And we were like, well, there were 12 baskets left over. Like, what, what, like, what, are, you, what are you trying to get at? And he was like, no, that's not quite what I had in mind. Um, and I was like, oh, like. You should have written that down, whatever you had in mind when you were studying. And, you know, no, no, uh, not to get on the guy's case, but that's an example of where if you're teaching Sunday school, uh, again, the more pointed your questions are, and it doesn't really matter on the age you're teaching, the more discussion you'll have and, and probably the better response you're going to get. My, my last point here with preparation as a foundation is end with a call to action or a challenge. So you... A lot of you are business people. A lot of you own your own business, and you've all heard the salespeople. Um, you've all heard the, whether they come to you and they give, they, they're cold calling you or you go to a presentation. And you've probably all experienced a salesman who's like, you know, he gives his little talk, and he's like, all right. And you're like, all right. You came to me. What do you want? <laughs> well, what's next? I don't know. What is next? Do I write you a check? Do I call your corporate office? Like, you know, you've, you've all experienced those awkward salespeople. They don't last real long. Um, I'm in marketing, and one of the things that is drilled into us is when you go on a website, 
the first thing you should see is how you work with them. It's a call to action. So I've been on websites and it's like, I don't know what you want me to do. Do you want me to call you? No, 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 don't call us. We don't like phone calls. Do you want me to buy your product? Yes. Well, how do I do that? Well, you go and, hit, and, then, and it's here and then you go here and then there. No, it should just be buy now. You know, buy this product or call us to schedule your appointment. You're, you're, you should have a clear call to action. And I know we're not salesmen for Christ, right? But at the same time, when you're done with a, with a talk and, you, and you're wrapping it up and you're concluding, um, like what do you want your audience to, to walk away with? For my talk, I want you to walk away with the three main points. So I'm going to put them up at the very end because that's what I want you to remember. You can, you, know, you can remember some of these points. There's 15 of them. There's a lot of them. You don't have to remember all of them. But if you can remember in this case that preparation is the foundation, that's what I want you to remember. So when you're done talking, um, think of a way that you can challenge your audience. So you know, some, some classic examples that usually work really well is saying things like, the next time you... So the next time you give a talk, take some time to prepare for it or take time to pray before you give it. Um, here's one that I, I, I've used already. Tomorrow morning when you wake up. So we all know Sunday morning, you know, we come to church and Monday morning the grind hits. Well, tomorrow morning when you wake up, take five minutes to pray before you open your phone. Okay, that could be after a talk about prayer. Uh, another one is take the time to think about. Now, this one's a little vague and it's like take the time to think about the Lord being your shepherd. You know, okay, the Lord's my shepherd, yeah. So that one's a little bit more vague, but it can work depending on what your talk is. Um, one that I like here, and Lester, you did this uh, a few weeks ago, is ask yourself these questions. And then you end with maybe three or four questions. So ask yourself these questions. Do you really trust God to be your shepherd? How are you trusting God to be your shepherd? You know, the next time you, you're facing anxiety in your life, are you going to pray, Lord, you are my shepherd. All right, you know, and now let's pray or something. So, and these are just a few examples. There's, there's many other ways. But when you're done, leave your audience with something to think about, um, something to talk about, uh, or something to do. And in that way, end with a, a call to action or a challenge. So preparation is a foundation. Just run through these seven points again real quick. Develop a central theme, passage, or thought. Work on having your content naturally flow. Color code your notes, do some form of practice, and take a note of time. Expect your mind to blank. Write down important things you want to say. Uh, Sunday school tip, develop several good questions and write them down, and end with a call to action or challenge. Now, we get to the fun part, or the not fun part, presenting. So I actually don't mind studying. I, the presenting is often where, well, probably most of us would say, presenting is where we get a little uh, knee-knocky. So the first thing here is speak clearly and confidently. And I know that varies. Some people have louder voices. Some people have quieter voices. Um, but, but whatever, don't worry about the decibel range. You're not out here with a, I don't know, what, uh, I forget what you call the things that, that decibel. You're not out here trying to hit 80 decibel where we're there like, ooh, wow, this is really loud. Um, you're, you're out there just speaking confidently for your, vo for your voice tone. Again, thinking of a salesman, you've probably all experienced people, whether it's a salesperson or maybe a customer, and they're just not confident. And there's nothing, um, there, there's nothing more like, uh, not degrading, um, but when you're talking to a, someone in your profession, 
maybe it's, it's not trusting them if they're just not confident. So someone asked me about marketing. I'm like, well, you know, marketing's tough. A lot of competition out there. You got to know what you're doing. And I mean, we, we try. We, you know, we, we attend the classes like you're like, yeah, okay. So who are some of your competitors? Who, can, who else can I talk to about marketing? But if I come up here and I'm like, oh, marketing? Yeah, we do really well with that. Um, you know, we might not be a national agency that's up there, but like we, we are competitive. We will make you competitive. And here's, you know, here's how we do it. So just being confident with your presentation. Again, not cocky with it. Um, we are still presenting God's truth. And we, we still um, we are relying on his Holy Spirit to, to speak through us. Um, so again, humility is a part with us. But when you get up there, even if you feel like a little lamb, look like a lion or talk like a lion. And I think you know the application, like just project your voice. Don't, don't be afraid of that. If your voice quivers a little bit, that's okay, because that happens to all of us. Um, and if you have to sneeze or cough or whatever, just, just do it. Just turn your head, cough or sneeze, and say, you know, excuse me, and, and move on. Um, and that uh, actually brings me to, oh, yeah, let's go on to the second point here. Don't make excuses or give the audience a reason to tune out. So there's two main excuses that I don't like. I've been guilty of using these, um, and I've tried to make it, when I give talks or teach Sunday school, I've tried to not use these, and again, I have been guilty of this. The first one, well, do you know what the first one is? I have two specifically written down. I actually kind of have three. That's kind of one. I was waiting for something to come after that. <laughs> one is, I didn't have much time to prepare this morning. And the person, you know, you kind of get a few chuckles out of the crowd. That's probably the one I hear the most. The second one kind of goes with the omens. It's, I forgot about this until this morning, which is, again, pretty, very similar. To I didn't have much time. The second one is, this one I don't hear as much, but I'm not going to be telling you anything new today. And then there's, there's other, there's variations of both of those. And what I've, what I've noticed is speakers, especially the, I didn't have much time or I forgot, they use that as part of their introduction to get, you know, some sympathy from the crowd because like oh yeah then if you're not super prepared like that's fine you forgot we all forget and we do all forget but don't don't be reaching for sympathy from your audience when it it's not their fault and it's probably your fault now again if if you just learned that morning that you're going to have devotions you might have a legitimate excuse but if you get up front you're like i just found out this morning i have to have devotions so guess what we're on for a ride. Your audience is like, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about this. And personally, and, and you, I know everyone's different, but personally when I hear a speaker use some of those phrases, I start just kind of tuning out because it's like, well, if you're not going to tell me anything new, why listen? Um, if, you, if you forgot about this, why should I listen? Like, like what, what's giving you the authority? So again, I know those are some personal problems for myself, and I, as an audience, I still want to be receptive to what you say. I want to give credit to Ray. Uh, you remember, it wasn't Christmas morning, but it was Christmas week, when he filled in for devotions on a spur of the moment. Now, he had zero time to prepare. Songs were done. Ken sat down, and then it's like, someone here for devotions. And Ray, I forget if you raise your hand or volunteer. I forget that. What, and then, oh, don't make eye contact. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the wrong thing to do. <laughs> 
But I remember, Ray, you came up, and you know what I was expecting the first thing to come out of Ray's mouth? I just found out about this now, so just give me a minute. But he didn't do that. And I, you, you, talk, uh, you talked about something Christmassy, but I, forget, I forgot some of your main points. It was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but what I remember from that talk is that when Ray got up there, he had the most legitimate reason to say, I did not have time to prepare for this. And we all knew it as a congregation. How many of you were there that morning? It wasn't, okay, quite a few of you. But he got up and he shared something from, again, something from the Christmas story. And you wouldn't have guessed it. So some of that is kudos to you, Ray, for being a good public speaker and being older so you do have more to pull from. I get that. But a lot of it is just being, hey, I'm not going to make a bunch of excuses. And you did really well with it. Number three, main eye, maintain eye contact as much as possible. Now, I completely understand that this one and, and somewhat number one is can be very closely tied to personality. So I, I tend to be, uh, I am an introvert, but I can make myself an extrovert if I need to. And I, I don't find eye contact as scary as some people. So I, I understand if you're like, eye contact is the scariest thing for me. Because I've heard people say that. I've had students say like, I can give a speech as long as I can go like this. I was like, well, that's going to hurt your grade. Oh, but I, you know, okay, I can give a speech if I can go like this. No. Um, so I, I understand that. Two tips here, though, is one is look at people's foreheads. If looking in their eyes is a little nerve-wracking to you, I actually heard, look at their foreheads. And I, I, I experimented this with Kaylee when she was sitting on the couch, and I was like, hey, babe, look at me. And she's like, okay. And I looked at her forehead right here. And I said, am I looking in your eyes? And she said, yeah. And it's creeping me out a little bit. Because I was just like, look at me. And she's like, uh, and I was like, I'm not looking in your eyes. And she's like, yeah, you are. And I was like, no, I'm looking at my forehead. I'm seeing if it works. And she's like, well, it's working. <laughs> so that's, that's one thing you can do. Your audience won't really notice it, but you, it, it can be a little different. The second thing I heard, and I, I think this was when I was in high school, this, the speaker said, look at the back wall. Look right above the heads of the people in the back wall. Because everyone, now, if, it, if you're too obvious with it, you know, like this, people probably won't notice it. But I'm doing it right now, and I don't know how obvious it is, but the people in the front row are like, oh, he's just looking at the people in the back. And the people in the back, in the middle, are like, oh, he's looking at the people in the back. The people in the back row are like, I'm not quite sure what he's looking at. But that's just the back row, Okay. So if you are nervous, you can actually kind of look at the walls around the people. And, I mean, again, if you, if you make it too obvious, like, if people would be sitting here, though, and I would be looking at the wall, you'd think I was looking at them. So that can be a hint if you're scanning the audience and you're like, I, I, know, I know I should do it, but I just cannot look at people's eyes. You can actually just kind of glance around the wall. So use that if you need to. Um, but the, the main point here, again, is maintain eye contact as much as possible. You will need to look at your notes. And, and some people will not look up as much. And that's okay. Again, some of it's personality. Some of it is experience. Um, but, but try to make a point of it. Number four, be okay with your mistakes. If you don't point them out, most of the audience won't notice. This, this is, I think it's so true. I made a major mistake moving between, I think it was number one and number two. I don't know, I maybe noticed it. My mind blanked for a second, and I looked down and realized I forgot to mention something. And I was like, all right, moving on to number two. I don't know, maybe you caught it. It was just five or ten minutes ago. 
And right there, I was actually like, how much should I make a deal about this? Like, oh, just, just move on. Um, those of you who thought about it now, you probably will forget about it tomorrow morning. Um, so if you do make a mistake, just, just move on. Now, if it's a major mistake, like you, you know, you got two words mixed up or something like that, you, you may want to address it. Or if it's a mistake where you're like, you know, um, husbands love your children, you're like, oh, sorry, husbands love your wives. Like that's a little different than just missing a point or, or missing a phrase. Uh, when I was first started teaching, I did this a lot with my students because I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, like I used the, the wrong form of the verb there or I, I should have used this conjunction. And they were like, we, first of all, like none of us like English. And second, none of us, none of us realized it. And no one is, is in the audience or no one should be in the audience, you know, writing down your grammatical mistakes or, or even other things that you're missing up or, or messing up. But they will notice it if you point it out. Or if you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I keep losing my spot in my notes. And they're like, you were? And then they start watching for it. You know what that's like? If, you know, oh, he missed his, he missed his spot in his notes again. Um, but if you don't make a big deal about it, most people won't, won't catch on. And number five, if you read your speech, keep in mind that you're probably talking too fast. Now, you're probably talking too I'm probably talking too fast right now. Um, Jim, you did really well at keeping a, a good pace. And I, I am one who does tend to talk faster if I'm just talking in general. But if you're reading your speech, then you probably are talking too fast, or if you have a lot of notes and you have to move through it. And essentially what's happening is you're nervous. And several hormones start kicking in when you're nervous and when your heart starts pounding. You have adrenaline. Um, that's the main one. Um, I remember when I was... I was uh, low 20s. I had my only car wreck, actually. It totaled my car. My sister and I were driving down a road, and a car, for some reason, didn't see us and pulled out and just hit the back end of our car, uh, hit the passenger rear uh, fender, actually. I don't even know if it caught the tire. We were going 45, and it, it just, so it spun us around. And I remember, it, it is weird. Uh, if you've been in an accident or had something happen, you, you can probably relate to this in in probably, what, one second all of this happened, but my brain, it felt like maybe 10 seconds. It didn't feel like minutes. And I remember driving and seeing the car and my brain right away slows way down. And it was like, she's gonna hit us, no, she'll miss us. I remember my brain going back and forth a couple times and then boom, I felt it. And then we slid and it was a, it was a snowy, it was a January, so it was a snowy road and we hit, hit the snowbank and I remember my brain being like, we're going to flip. We might die. No, no, we'll just hit it and we'll be fine. The car's probably fine. No, we're going to die right now. And then like, boom, I was like, I'm alive. Okay. <laughs> and all of that happened in what, one second, two seconds? But my brain was literally having a conversation. And I remember that. Um, if you've had, you know, they say your life flashes before your eyes, like that almost can literally happen. And that's, that's hormones coming in and, and your adrenaline and stuff slowing your body down. That's your fight or, uh, fight or flight reflex. And that happens when you're nervous. When you're public speaking, you're probably nervous. So you're going really fast and you're, you're reading it and you're, whew, and, and your audience is like, like we're on for a ride right here. He's moving. But to you, it, it, you're like, I'm, I'm just talking normal speed. That's one of the biggest things that I have to work on, and like I said, I, I know I'm probably talking too fast. Now, I still need to work on this one. 
I've already given notes where at the top, this was, I think, at Faith Builders in our speech class, he made me write down, slow down, in big letters on the top of my notes. So I'd be going around like this, and then my next point is, um, not quite that obvious, but um, just, just take time to breathe, and if you're reading your speech, um, that is one of the things, just, you, you might have to intentionally just slow it down. And if you're talking, and if you tend to talk fast anyway, you're, you're going to have to slow it down too. So presenting with confidence, speak clearly and confidently. Don't make excuses or give the audience a reason to tune out. Maintain eye contact as much as possible. Be okay with your mistakes. If you don't point them out, most of the audience won't notice. If you read your speech, keep in mind that you're probably talking too fast. So again, um, in just a bit, I do want to open it up for ideas, thoughts, comments you have. Uh, again, there's, there's a lot of people in this room that have more public public. Uh, speaking experience than I do. So the next time you give a devotional, the next time you, you teach Sunday school, the next time you give a topic, the next time you do any kind of public speaking, um, even this can work when you're talking to your crew. Um, how many of you, you know, Monday morning you have your 20-minute safety talk with your guys and you get up there, you're like, well, we have a safety talk this morning. Be safe. And the guys are like, cool. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, even with your, with your employees or something, you can, you can say, okay, this morning we have a safety talk. Here's the three things we're going to do. And you can give them a call to action. You know, at the, at the end of this, when you go out, you know, make sure the trailers in park or whatever they need to do better with safety. So the next time that you are giving a talk, um, specifically in the church though, remember three central ideas. Number one, allow God to lead. Take the time to pray. Um, take the time for yourself to prepare. Um, take the time to study. Number two, preparation is the foundation. If you are not prepared, uh, I know some of you can wing it. I, I can wing it decently well, but it's not good. Um, but some of you are really good at winging it. But don't wing it. Prepare. Take the time to lay that foundation. And number three, present with confidence. It's okay to be nervous. You're going to be nervous, and that's fine. Um, it's okay to, to make mistakes, but be confident, be okay with your mistakes, and um, let, let God lead uh, in your talk. All right, I'd like to open it up. Uh, what, what do you have? What are some tips that you have or things that you've done um, that you've found to be helpful? Just, just to comment on that. So I said if you make a mistake, just move on. If you make a mistake that's really obvious like that and people are laughing, just take the time to laugh with them. Because if you're like, no, 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 stop laughing. Point number three, you, you know, they're, they're, they're still thinking about the, yeah, the forge and that. So just laugh with them and be like, wow, that was a good one. All right, so moving on. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Right. 
bar's pretty low? Is that, yeah. Well, the worst that can happen in Sunday school is they don't make you Sunday school teacher again, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's just reading out loud, hearing your own voice out loud in front of other people. You don't have a lot of opportunity to do that, so it's a good place. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good example where looking at like the wall right above the heads is, can, can be used. Well, thank you. Uh, I'll turn it over to the minister.